Hi, everyone. Welcome back to part two of our Hearts of Empowerment podcast. On this podcast, we'll get to hear more from Maru Mejia and his journey to sobriety and training for his first Ironman. I hope you feel as inspired after this podcast as we did. So let's get back to the conversation. Do you need something comforting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, as I get sentimental or in my feelings about this. Um, but I don't, I guess I, I'll start with my family and where I really come from. Um, so I'm a first generation Hispanic American. Um, dad's from Mexico, mom's from Guatemala. And I had that same experience that Will's had where, you know, going back um, to these countries and seeing the life that I could have been brought up in kind of really opened my eyes as to how privileged I am to, you know, live in first world conditions and a clean environment and stuff like that. Um, it was a really hard start for my parents. Um, my dad came into this country, 18 years old, $400 in his pocket. Wow. Um, and a decade later, uh, was able to start up his own mechanic shop. And the first, uh, few months of my life, I actually lived in that mechanic shop with my mom and my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometime later, we were able to afford, they were able to afford a motel. Um, and we were able to build up from there. And then uh, my parents had gone through a divorce uh, during one of the worst times possible, the recession of 2008. Mm. And there's a big backstory behind it. But basically, uh, my dad had lost his company. And my mom was fighting to keep her uh, business alive as well. And during the divorce, um, I was my dad had won the custody of my brother and I while my mom was given the rights to the house. And so because my mom had the rights to the house, my dad, my brother and I, we didn't really have a place to go to. So uh, we found ourselves kind of surfing between places, couch surfing. Um, sleeping at hotels. Uh, how, going, how old were you at this point? I was roughly uh, 11, 12 years old. Wow. Do you, um, do you still vividly remember yeah, that? I yeah. mean, that's got to be. Yeah. I remember uh, being 11 and 12. So. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I think about it every day. At, you know, yeah. Whenever I feel like I might be having a bad day, I just kind of think about those times and how you know I was spending times in a hotel in the middle of nowhere. Um, or, you know, forced to drive all the way up to Maryland right after school so I could have a couch to sleep on and then at 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, drive all the way back down to Spotsylvania, Virginia, which is about two hours, two-hour drive Yeah. um, just to go to school. And, you know, that after going through all that, I had made a promise to myself that I was going to bring my family out of that situation. And... Mm -hmm. And so I had gone into, um, you know, got into high school. And at that time, um, you know, our conditions got a little better. My dad had finally uh, got enough money to get an apartment. We didn't have furniture or anything, but it was a place to call home. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, he was diagnosed with cancer, uh, colon and stomach cancer, Mm. stage four. And um, the doctors had given him... Uh, about three months to live and uh i just remember my as when i found that out um i mean the first thing i did being i I think i was like 16 at that time Mm -hmm. um i had gone out on an 11 mile run by by myself because that was my way of clearing my head 
and um and i and he went on to live for another two years or so two and a half years maybe and um and so at this time i was in college i had just started college just started i was in my sophomore semester and I had gotten the call from my cousin and he had told me I needed to rush to the hospital because it didn't look good for my dad. I didn't know what that meant. But um, shortly after arriving to the hospital, I had seen that uh, my dad had already, um, his heart stopped twice um, is what the doctor told me. And he had told me that it's not a good idea to uh, resuscitate him for a third time. Mm And so at that point, I, I kind of had known that I understood the situation and understood right. that, you know, he was most likely going to be passing. And um, and I mean, my father and I had a, a serious conversation months beforehand where I asked him because we could physically see his health declining. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, to go through chemo treatment, it's, it's tough. It's yeah, tough. It's tough. Uh, I mean, yeah. he showed me his feet and had just rubbed them together and it like was turning into dust um wow. his body was literally just decomposing already yeah. right. and um i had asked him i said dad you know if anything happens what do you want us to do with you and what do you want me to make out of life um just asking him uh, you know deeper and deeper with some more mm-hmm. questions and he had made me promise to him that no matter what that i was going to be the best man that i could possibly become and um and so after he had passed away, that's one thing that I think about on a daily basis is, and also just thinking about how limited our time is here on earth. Mm-hmm. I just think about, you know, what is it that I'm going to do today to really make an impact into the world and also to improve myself as a person. And I mean, after he had passed away at being uh, 19 years old, my mind wasn't really that clear. So I had kind of lost myself into alcohol. And uh, I was also in a frat where drinking was right. perfectly normal. Yeah. And so yeah. I had, you know, no problems. Yeah. No one's judging yeah. you. Right. And and you, I just kind of got lost in this world uh, where I was getting blacked out drunk, you know, three times a week or so. And uh, it was perfectly normal. I thought that's what it meant to drink, to have right. a drink was right. to get blacked like out drunk. drunk. I didn't understand. Everyone does this, right? That's what you do. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I kind of got lost in into that and. I guess how it kind of led me to Iron Man was um, at later in life, uh, I was 20, 24, and um, I had uh, done what I typically done, gotten blacked out drunk, and decided to drive home, um, and I got pulled over, got a DUI, uh, went to jail, lost my license. At this time, I was, before I had even gotten a DUI, I turned a, a camper into a tiny home, mm-hmm. And I was living kind of in the middle of nowhere because rent was only $200 a month. So I was saving a lot of money. I thought that was a good idea. But I wasn't expecting to also lose my license while living in the middle of nowhere. Right. So and that being your way to, yeah. Yeah. And so I wasn't allowed to drive anywhere. I Luckily, I had a restricted license, so I could drive to work, but that was it. I, mm-hmm. You're not even allowed to stop at a gas station to pump gas when you have a restricted oh license. My gosh. Yeah. Well, how do you get this? Yeah, how are you so- <clears throat> Right, and... What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's stacked against you. It's, Ex- it's, it's making you fail. Like, yeah. It will help you, but... Right. Yeah, exactly. So they're kind of setting you up for failure. I lived in anxiety um and depression for basically that full year luckily i did have some friends to kind of hang out with me and pick me up 
And um, yeah, uh, also with that DUI, I had to serve some jail time. And man, jail is, it's a whole different world. And, and you know, I was, I'm always kind of open-minded. So I actually was uh, open to having conversations with people in there and kind of learning their stories and stuff. And, and it just, it just kind of made me realize like, man, I, like, I got to change, I got to do something different in my life, and, um, and at this time, I had also gone through a heartbreak, um, went through a breakup after I had dated this one girl for three years, and so going through losing my license, um, going through a breakup, living by myself in the middle of nowhere in this Mm -hmm. tiny home, and, um, also just kind of having everything else weigh on me uh, from when I, I was growing up. It just kind of sparked this thing in me where I was like, man, I, I just got to do something. And at this time, I was completely out of shape. Um, I can't imagine you out of shape. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I was like? I was 30 pounds heavier. I was like 180. 30? Yeah, I was 185. Oh my, I don't think I'd recognize you. I weigh um, 185, by the way. <laughs> I'm 6'1". Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had chubbier cheeks for sure and a gut. Um, but... I was like, you know what? I need to kind of redeem myself as a person. So I signed up for a marathon and uh, the marathon just didn't feel like enough. And in the back of my head, I she had 26. Uh, yeah, let's, let's yeah. yeah. The marathon it didn't just, feel like enough. I mean, I only ran one or two this morning. I get it. Like jog, but. <laughs> yeah, it just it just didn't feel enough. And um, I just I just had this I had this anger in me uh you know, to be honest. And I was also seeing a mental therapist to kind of walk me through on finding my peace. Mm-hmm. And, um, so going through everything that I was going through, uh, I just felt like the marathon wasn't enough. And I had heard of Iron Man growing up as a young teenager. And I was like, wow, th- these people are crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a 140 mile race yeah. and I'm I, nodding my head with you there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, nuts. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, I don't know. I was like, you know what? Um, I had talked about the idea and you know, a lot of people, they have these ideas that they talk about, but they never do it. Right. Right. And I didn't want to be one of those people. So, um, and I, I wasn't ready for a full Ironman either. And I had looked for, you know, there's a season for doing triathlons and the, the next one and the last one of the year was only three months away. And with zero swimming and cycling experience, um, I had signed up for it. And what I, was the distance? Uh, seventy point three miles. So it was a um, half Ironman, Iron Man, right? And I was out in uh, California in mm-hmm. uh, Indian Wells, and um, yeah, I almost didn't make the swim part. When you clicked register for that, did you like? <laughs> was that you, moment, yeah. you're like, what am I like? Am I really doing this? Is there like, a yeah. back button? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Right, too, yeah. Right? yeah, and it's not cheap. It's like yeah. it's like uh, I think if I remember correctly, it was like five hundred dollars to sign up, and I yeah, they're not cheap. Yeah, not, not to at all. The time you put into it, you have to own all of all these the equipment. Things. Yeah, so swim lessons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and shout out Swimbox. <laughs> yeah, Swimbox, man. I mean, paid he, advertisement <laughs> of our own. <laughs> we like to we like to take a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I had. To be honest, I had barely even made it through that swim portion. Mm-hmm. I I had been used to swimming in uh, ninety degree water at the at the gym that I was swimming at to prepare for it, and then I get to Indian Wells. It's in the middle of the desert, 
and I'm thinking, all right, the water can't be that cold. Nope. I get into it and it sends my body into shock uh, oh. because it was only like 50, 50 or 55 degrees. Yeah. I had a swimsuit, but man, and I had no wetsuit. Really I had like a, a wetsuit. You, yeah. you had a wetsuit. Okay. I would feel like if I did a race in like 78 degree water, that would probably be like my ideal. 78? Right. Yeah. 78? For you, probably like 76, 78. Yeah. yeah. Like so 50 something. That yeah. it's just I don't even mess with water that cold. I'm not touching right. it. Bother. I'm yeah. not touching it. Are you like drinking water that cold? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You put all your ice in and then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I had realized what I was really in for. <laughs> After this guy um, who was in front of me in the faster heat, um, he got into the water and only a few steps in, he was already hyperventilating. And mm-hmm. it turns out that he had an asthma attack. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh shoot! Um, all right, well, I'm I'm already here, and I'm already like <laughs> time to go in the I process of turn. yeah. So yeah. I get into the water. I couldn't even keep my face yeah. in the water. Um, it's so cold. So yeah. it, when it's like below sixty, even in the mid sixties, your body has a natural reaction to save your organs. Yeah, so it yeah. brings blood to your organs to keep you warm there. So you're fighting constantly. And then it knocks warm. the breath out of you as well. Yeah. Literally, yes. You have to train yourself to calm down and breathe in water that cold. There is, it's like a different set of training protocols. Like that would hurt me. And I'm The example I get is like, you know, when you go to the beach and it's like, oh my God, it's cold. And then you have to like slowly work your yeah. way in and then it gets warm. That's, that's like the same concept. It doesn't get warm. It doesn't get yeah. warm. No, pins and needles, pins okay. and needles. The like that's what you start time. feeling. And like yeah. the only way to be warm is to be active and even then it's like a constant yeah. battle like you're not you know it like you're was. not gonna warm up really yeah. there's not enough time to warm up in that and you're right. warm once you're like i don't know five miles in on the bike right yeah. like <laughs> and then at some point like some people well you just jump in and go for it but if the water is that cold you will go into shock yeah mm-hmm. you will absolutely go into shock if you jump into water that cold without slowly acclimating yeah. your body's like oh shit something's wrong yeah. Yeah. save yourself yeah. and you go into shock so yeah. i mean and and that's exactly what happened my body went into shock i being new to the to the swim world i wasn't even i wasn't aware that it was a good idea to get a little bit into the water to kind of let my body mm-hmm. adapt to it so i had without even getting into water um beforehand i just i start the race and i'm at a few strokes in trying to do freestyle and I can't keep my face in the water. So I had to adapt and I backstroked uh, the entire oh. thing. Yeah. 1.2 miles? Yeah, 1.2 miles back. on my back. And that's. I have never done anything like that. Yeah, and it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy because um, I was. I was on a mission to kind of redeem myself as a person and you have only so much time to complete each portion of the race. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for the swim portion of half Ironman, you have an hour and 10 minutes. I had came out of the water at an hour and four minutes. Uh, So (laughs) barely made it. Knowing, knowing how you swim now. Yeah. I'm trying to picture what your backstroke would have looked like. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Those legs must have been real low. Oh, you must have just oh, tro- yeah. plowing through the water. Absolutely. And oh, and Lord, my body, was, <laughs> I was not swimming symmetrical whatsoever because I kept veering to the right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just, I had to keep like turning around and, and then I was like, oh man, I'm, I keep going to the right. Like, and constantly right. correcting myself and just constant like momentum drops because you had to look where you're I going even thought you didn't even you can't even see buoys yeah that yeah. didn't occur to me until just now yeah oh my gosh so but i mean i was uh 
I, I finished that part. That was definitely the hardest part. And mm-hmm. after that, it was. So once you finished that, you were like, oh, the rest, I can, I can get this out the way now. Yeah, I mean, I had never cycled 56 miles either. The furthest uh, I had cycled beforehand was uh, 40 miles. And so doing 56 that same day was also new to me. Yeah. And then I did run a, mar- a full marathon just three weeks beforehand. So I was able to what? do the half. Uh, half marathon you feel like you were completely recovered from the marathon yeah because i had actually given myself three weeks but what i didn't realize (laughs) was also how worn out my shoes were from training it was the only pair of shoes i had owned all summer all fall and you were uh, training and your races with those yeah and i had developed uh achilles tendonitis and posterior tibial tendonitis and uh i was definitely hurt after that half iron man i couldn't even run um a lap uh around a track um without stopping and oh, that was for yeah. two months and at two well, months yeah i i couldn't run it hurt and at that time i had signed i had collaborated with hearts of empowerment telling them i was also <laughs> Look how great I gonna am. do a full <laughs> iron man <laughs> in their name yeah i don't know if you knew will but yeah <laughs> I, I couldn't even run I, I couldn't run even quarter of a mile okay um, well, I'm glad you're running. Yeah, Little yeah. do you know I can't do this right now, but <laughs> yeah. I'm hopeful. Yeah, right. And, um, oh. but I mean, luckily I had seen a doctor. He gave me some heel inserts and mm-hmm. I got a new pair of shoes that were a bit better <laughs> supporting my, uh, my feet and my arch. And when you don't run that much and you just like occasionally go for like, well, I'll put myself in here, like a two mile run. And then you that's what you do like every i don't know three weeks like i'm occasionally gonna run and then you start actually running i never realized that the people who sell you shoes mean that they will die yeah like you th- you're yes. like yeah whatever dude like that's fine when you pay for like three pairs of 500 dollars sneakers like that's absurd then you kill a pair of shoes and you're like oh you were serious i don't know okay it's early I'm, I'm 150 150 yeah that's about right 160 running in these things and you're like i want to have a backup i'm like listen bro i don't need a <laughs> listen and then you have holes in your shoes you're like oh crap you were real like you meant that yeah, i need some better shoes now but you don't realize until it actually happens you're yeah like, oh shit this affects me a lot oh a lot yeah. yeah so it's it's been a lot of trial and error mm-hmm. um it i mean that half iron man was my first triathlon ever i had never even done a, a sprint triathlon i've never done swimming or anything mm-hmm. or even cycling so it's it's a lot of trial what and did error. you do for that first race what did you do to prepare for the swim I, I, uh, so living in the middle of nowhere again in in a camper, I lived, um, 10 miles away from this gym, um, in Richmond. And so I would cycle nine miles to go to the gym and then I would swim. Um, it, man, I, I couldn't even swim. It, it was a hard start. I had signed up for Ironman, no swimming. And it, it was hard to do two laps without stopping. And oh, so, yeah. and I was like, I got to do it. I just, Which is sounds like me like, right now. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> in the pool, like, so how long is the swim in your race that you're training for? Uh, this one is 2.4 miles and it's not, I'm also swimming against currents and waves. Right. In, hopefully, in the ocean. hopefully getting some current so help assisted as yeah. well. 50 meters yeah. compared to over a mile. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just that fire that I had in me to kind of redeem myself as Mm -hmm. a person after going through jail and a heartbreak, feeling like I wasn't good enough as a person. And also making this promise that I had for my dad, I felt like I had to really, you know, be a man of my word and, Mm -hmm. and make it all come true. 
Well, so. you clearly have so much drive from your parents. Yeah. Like, that's not like two people don't just start their own businesses after coming here and then, like, that's not normal. Yeah. You know, that's not every other parent. Yeah. And, like, clearly that's like, you've taken so much from yeah. that. Yeah. That's very obvious. Yeah. I, it, and it's kind of weird that, you know, even going through everything that I've gone through, my mental therapist had told me that I'm one of the most resilient clients that she's ever had. And she's, you know, astonished that I haven't relapsed into alcohol um, because a lot of people going through the things that I've gone through, they typically, you know, go into drugs and, mm-hmm. you know, go down that wrong path. And I don't know, I've been blessed with something in me that's always kind of wanted to uh, rise fold, above that. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. a lot yeah. of people will fold under these circumstances. A lot of people would quit. Oh, yeah. It's do you, a lot of that swim. A lot of people would just yeah. not do anything. Yeah. Do you feel like the intense training <laughs> regiment that, that, that discipline brings to your life gives you boundaries within to live? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, so it, it's not like you can sign up for an Ironman and then continue to drink every weekend because uh, you, you got to make time to train. I mean, I'm out yeah. uh, six, seven hours, maybe eight hours of constant, or w- it's all training all in one session where I have to cycle 100 miles and and then go on an eight mile run. And there's no way I could do that if I was like hungover or anything right, like right, that. Right. And, or also just kind of finding comfort in my friends. I, I have to go and do these things for myself and, and, you know, make it happen. Yeah. So I, I always like, I, there's this concept of, uh, where discipline comes from, yeah. right? You can't really teach someone discipline. I, I've never been able to teach anyone discipline before. Um, and if you are, you usually don't do it the right way or just some type of, I won't say physical harm. Cause you can well, just discipline, discipline. Right. Right. So right. then like, where does discipline come yeah. from? Right. And, and for me, it's like examples. Wait, it comes from your girlfriends. <laughs> Too far. I don't know what that really means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, examples, your parents, if they're, you know, disciplined people, then yeah, you learn to be disciplined. Like if, if you grew up on a farm, you have to be disciplined. You've got to get up, you got to do your chores, right? And your parents kind of show you that. And then you're kind of forced into that. It goes to like accountability, right? Right. And then there's this, there's this idea, well, you know, people that go through the military typically after or during their, their time of service are also disciplined. But did they gain discipline before they joined the military or did they gain discipline while joining the military? And there's no real way to know. So I'm always curious, like, where does this, like, discipline come from from people? And I think, like, in Mario's case, it sounds like just this desire to to be the best he, best version of Mario he can be, then discipline's like this reaction to yeah, that. It like, becomes I, like a nature, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, right. we all want to be the best versions of ourselves. Just some of us are more disciplined. I don't know about that. No? I think there's people out there that are afraid to be the best versions of themselves. Because if you let yourself down, you only have yourself to blame. And that's where like procrastination comes in. And that's where like, oh, I'll get to that later. Because you don't want to fail yourself. Yeah. All right? And failure is scary. Yeah. Yeah. Failure is... Right. You have to be comfortable failing. And failing is a part of life. Right. No matter what you do. If you can't learn from your failures, you're in trouble. And you know what? A lot of people fail... And Don't get never learn. That's where resilience, yep. right? Right. Yep. That like, 
they'll fail and still make the same mistakes and still make the same mistakes. Yeah. Like, at that point, or just like, give up. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. That leads to other negative things in life. Right. I think. Would you consider your first triathlon a success just because you finished? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I. I mean, it's. I had signed up for my first triathlon with zero experience and just three months beforehand. And typically, people spend six months to a year just training for a half Ironman. And mm -hmm. I just had this kind of rage in me to rage. To, yeah, just I mean, by anger. I was I was really I was depressed and disappointed in myself, and I just I didn't. And I mean, I had only signed up for the marathon after you know. After going cold turkey sober, I didn't have an outlet to kind of let out my stress. Mm -hmm. And I had, I was team captain of the high school track team. So I had, you know, some background experience in running. So I, you know, I, I started with like a mile and found myself, you know, getting, um, I got comfort out of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's the resilience that really matters because as humans, we should fail. We should fail all the time. Yeah. It's just are you able to look at that, that race and go, man, my swimming really sucked. That was incredibly difficult, but I finished. Mm -hmm. Next race, I'm going to make sure my swimming's better. Oh, Next absolutely. race, I'm going to make sure my cycling's better. Yeah. Right? I'm going to have the right shoes. Right. A lot of people would go through that race and go, I don't have the time to commit to this, or Not I don't have me. the funds to commit to this. Eh, I'd rather just hang out with my friends. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there is something to that. They would go back to, to that. drinking and just sit right. on the couch. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. the easy out, right? That's the easy Absolutely. option. Yeah. So. so, I mean, that's, I think that's something that anyone can, hopefully listening to this, can pick up on pretty easily. Um, but coincidentally, one of my clients, I think on, where was I? Last week, was like, oh, I saw Mario's post about you guys. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, because you post about Swimbox and stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, I was like, but I haven't seen anything. So, I don't really get on Facebook very much. So, like, okay, maybe I just missed it. And I went on, I tried to find it, I couldn't find it anywhere, and I was like, hey, send it to me. And it was in a group, and that's why I couldn't see it. Pathetic oh, Trackly, is that what it is? Yeah. So, someone who knows us inadvertently saw your story in Pathetic Trackly, wow. or yeah. is that the name of the yeah. group? Yeah. Right? And she was inspired by you. Wow. And it's really? like this like closing of the gap, closing of that circle. The dots always connect. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. They always come back. It always comes back. So, you know, I mean, I think it's. Uh, important to be getting your story out, but the way that you're doing it also is is impacting people yeah. in a way that's like more than you can perceive, and then coming back to us. And yeah. that's what yeah. we cool. wanted to do with Mario. We, me, and Junior got together and created mm -hmm. this marketing plans. How can we tell people of this story? Because his right. story, there's a so many different aspects to his life oh, and yeah. story, right? But like at the end of the day, hardship resiliency, like bouncing back from difficult situations, mm -hmm. that's something that we can all relate to. Right. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and that's what we just wanted to do with Mario. Like, let's get this story out there because people will understand where he's coming from. You don't have to run a triathlon to understand where he's coming from. Right. I definitely don't do that. But I understand Mario's <laughs> background. I understand where he's coming from, the difficulties. Um, so that if you can get something out of his story and apply it to your life, then you're, you're becoming a better person. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're being such a big inspiration. And I don't think I've told you this, but I'll go on. I go on on my Sunday runs, mm -hmm. right after a, a long weekend Half of eating mile. and stuff. Two miles, <laughs> two miles, two miles, two or three miles. But some days I don't want to be running, right? Mm -hmm. But like I'll think of Mario in my middle of a run. Like I'm running two miles. I'll be done in like ten minutes. Mario's doing 
a 60 mile run today or something like that, or 100 mile <laughs> bike. So oh, like, yeah. let me get through this because I know like this is nothing compared to what yeah. he's doing. Right? Take, that's my motivation. This will take me, you know, right? what? Yeah, I'll be back home watching the game by exactly. eight. Mario yeah. is gone all day, so it's right. like just that in itself. Like I can apply it to myself, and mm-hmm. if with your story, if others can take that into account and just find a way to apply it to their life to become a better person or to find that motivation to take that first step, right? Yeah, then yeah. And your story in itself is it's doing its job. One thing about your story, I oh gotta hate that too. Your story. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. <laughs> you should check out his Instagram story. I mean, yeah, yeah, I probably should. Um, I feel like what what I love about things like this. Oh, I'm gonna throw that. Say that. Um, is that you have no idea who's gonna see it and feel what. Like you don't know how that's gonna be taken or the people you're gonna affect. Like the client that he's talking about. I mean, I don't even. She's upper middle aged put together, ready, like, good course in life, you know? Like, not the, I would assume, not the kind of person that you're... Yeah, I think, I think... I've when, lost all my words. It's all right. <laughs> take I'll, it back. I'll, I'll take that back. No, I think one of the things that I get, I get in these, like, sort of thought ruts, yeah. like, discipline is one of them, and then the, the other is return on luck, this concept of... There's return on investment. And there's return on all these other things, right? But there's a return on luck, good and bad yeah. luck, mm-hmm. all right? Everyone is going to experience good luck. Everyone's going to experience bad luck. Bad luck is the only type of luck that can outright destroy somebody, mm-hmm. right? It can stop a business dead in its tracks. It can prevent someone from meeting their goals. Yeah. Good luck won't ever outright give success, all right? You have to be willing to... Except when you have good luck, know it, recognize it, and then what do you do with that opportunity of good luck? What do you do with it? And then also the bad luck. You have to recognize there's bad luck, and I might have bad luck in my life, but what can I do to either learn from that bad luck or turn it around? Yeah. Right? And that's something that Mario, I think, has done because it's easy to point out the bad luck in Mario's life. Not everyone has bad luck the way that Mario has had it. And, but it didn't stop them. Right, and that's something I was actually really scared about going public about, um, you know, my DUI and going to jail. I wasn't, <clears throat> I, kn- I, I knew that people were already kind of inspired by the fact that I was doing an Ironman, but I wasn't sure how the public would react after I had gone public about, um, you know, going to jail and experiencing that hardship and alcoholism and before I had even done that, I reached out to Will because, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that, you know, the nonprofit is okay with it. And mm-hmm. I, I said, hey, Will, like, um, you know, and I, I know you don't know this about me, but I actually don't even have my license right now, man. And I, to be honest, I had a DUI. I went to jail and I kind of want to go public about it because I want to show that no matter what you go through in life, it's possible to come out on top and, surprisingly he was like dude i love it like yes we we want to help you mm-hmm. uh, share that part too because as as far as will knew and all the other people from hearts of empowerment they only knew about you know my hardships growing up as a young teenager and you know being a first generation immigrant and um yeah it's just i'm i'm so happy that i went public with it because it's it's a lot of people don't like to admit their flaws and especially on social media yeah it's a hard thing but i i feel like if you really want to take control of your life you gotta you gotta admit your wrongs and take and and really take ownership of that because 
by by taking ownership of that you're also able to then really take ownership of all of your great successes mm-hmm. yeah and um, well said yeah yeah so i I had no idea it was going to turn out like this, but I'm happy. I mean, and that's what we're here for, right? When we uh, when we started Hearts of Empowerment, I mean, the name behind it, Hearts of Empowerment, we're here to empower others, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, when Mario told me this, it's like, no, man, like, by all means, share your story. This right. is who you are. People want to see it, the, the real you, the You're not, like, you. picking and choosing the Yeah, pieces. because then, like, you're framing it how you want to, mm-hmm. right? And that's all cool and all, but, like, you have a story, everything you've gone through, you've accomplished and you're at a level now that you can face those face to face and like mm-hmm. and hopefully someone's inspired by this so like hearts of empowerment we're here to empower you no matter what you're doing no matter what yeah. you're facing that's our goal right yeah to empower you as individuals empower organizations as a whole but let's share your story and that's the right. approach we take with not only mario but all of our clients all of our partners with how can we empower you so that you can be the best version of yourself mm-hmm. yeah i think you know getting a dui going to jail that could happen to anybody right we all make mistakes we all make bad decisions and choices and it can be a defining it is a defining moment no matter how you look at it it can define you as an alcoholic and someone that you know is a convict or an ex-convict or it can define you as someone who perseveres and that's what it's done for you and i I think that's so powerful and and so important for people to hear because i i have known plenty of people that have gone through hard times and have stayed in hard times And they, they, they don't see a way out, even though it's right in front of them, even though they have the support to have that way out. So, I mean, that's what this is about, is the story that you're able to tell through your perspective so other people can understand it. Um, I don't know how much longer we've got to talk, but I want to talk to Mario about his swimming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, what I think we can do, we're going to keep all this in the podcast, by the way, oh, yeah, is please. we'll break this podcast up into several series. Okay. And um, since day one, we talked about, hey, let's get Mario on the podcast to talk about his his journey of swimming. Um, <laughs> in, that, in that, yeah, he's had life journeys to get him here and this adventure to get him here. But I know from a coaching perspective, the turnaround <laughs> that Mario has made in his swimming. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. So let's end this one and start another one. So I'm just doing time marks. And so, okay. all right, now. <laughs> it's the swimming we go. Can I Can yeah. I go to the bathroom? Yeah. All right. Let's, let's hit pause on this. Okay. Whew. What a story. I hope you're feeling inspired now. I know we are. Stay tuned for the final episode when we finally get to talk with Mario about swimming. Bye!